everyone. Thanks for checking out the Citizens Podcast. We are the high school student ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Sundays at 11 a.m. in the student wing. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you posted it on your Instagram story and tag at NBC Citizens. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy. All right, guys. Back at it again. I have a couple of things to acknowledge this morning. Thing number one. I have two babies, and I have never taken my ring off when I'm changing a diaper, regardless of what happens. So when you see John, you let him know. My ring has stayed there regardless of what accident. So you will know this if you were there here on Tuesday. I was not here on Tuesday, but somehow I still know that this, was, this happened. But you wouldn't get the inside joke unless you were here on Tuesday. Number two. Against all of my beliefs and stern commitment, I'm getting a cat. And I do not like it. And I don't know how long it's going to be at our house. I don't know how quickly I'm going to take this cat to do my meets. Uh, but it's going to be at my house. Yeah. So, yeah, so they're sad. I mean, it all it took was for my oldest daughter to be like, Daddy, please. And then I was like, all right, get a cat. We're going to call him Justin, just in memory of Justin Pratt. So, because I do not like Justin. So, I don't like cats. Makes sense. That's all my announcement that I had. That, that's all I had to get out. So, I'm glad I'm here, I'm glad I'm here with you guys today. Uh, we're starting a new series on the book of Hosea. We just came out, out of the series on idols. And I hope that you've been challenged by that. That not only you have recognized what are the idols in your life. What are the things that you have embraced. That you have hold so dear in your life that they consume you. They have a way of controlling you. They have a way of altering how you feel and how you behave and how you act and how you look and whatsoever. And that you have been willing to give those up. I hope that throughout that series you have been able to do that, to recognize and get rid of them, but also not try to look for a new one because that is a tendency. You get rid, you, you identify them, you get rid of them, and then we tend to find a new one. So I hope that you haven't done that. Now we're starting this series on the book of Hosea, and, and, and we're doing this because this is one, is one of my favorite books, and I, haven't, I have never actually taught from it, but I do love this book because of the story that is in it. It is one of the most bizarre stories that you will see when it comes to God trying to make a point to a nation that was broken, a nation that was rebellious, rebellious a nation that uh, used to say, hey, we love you, God, we are all for you, and then when circumstances started happening, when Things are not going so well, they will turn their back on God. And so I love this because it is so applicable for us even today. And so that's why we're going to be uh, addressing it. My encouragement and my challenge for you is there are uh, 14 chapters, 14 chapters. My encouragement and challenge for you is that you will read one chapter a day of the book of Hosea. If you really want to get something out of this, read one chapter a day. It's not hard. And if you do so, starting today, by the time we're done with the series, on the third, it's a three-week series, by the third Sunday that we're doing this, you would have read through the entire book. I will encourage you to do this because we're not going to be going... We're not going to be covering every single chapter because it is a longer book, but we will be addressing one of the major themes, themes in the book. But if you really want to get something out of this book and really dive in and see how bizarre and crazy this story is, uh, I will encourage you to read one chapter a day. It's that simple. Uh, so let me ask this question. 
What has been one of the craziest things you have done to prove a point to somebody? If you're like me, I love winning an argument. I, I live for that. I, I, I live for that. I love to having some disagreement with somebody and just prove them wrong. And so I am willing to do whatever it takes to make a point to win the argument. Is there anyone like that here today? Come on, don't be lying. You like, you, yeah, that's right. You all like to make arguments. So I, I Google, and I was curious about this, so I Google some of the most crazy things that people have done to prove a point. And so here's a few of them. I uh, started with number one. This is a marketing thing that says this. Uh, it says, your hero care for you now. You care for her. And it's speaking about the mom. This guy went to an extent to write on this. He scratched the hero and he said, my mother stole my identity and opened 15 credits in my name. So he went to the extent of destroying this advertising just to prove a point that his mom was not a hero. It's kind of sad, but also kind of interesting. I mean, why would you do that to your son? But also, yeah. All right, next one. This guy right here was having an argument with somebody about how in the South Pole there's actually a pole. And the guy that he was arguing with him, he didn't believe him. So he actually went all the way to the South Pole to take a picture next to the pole just to prove a point. He went to like very long, imagine that, like, yeah, it's a lot of money just to prove a point. That's a play. play. All right, men playing chess. All right, this one right here, when you look at that, you, can you see what's wrong with this picture? Not, I mean, there's a lot of things wrong. But, I mean, also, acknowledge the office. That's awesome. Uh, this guy, his, his, his guy texted his wife and said, hey, we really need to clean our floor. And the wife was like, no, our, our floor is clean. So he went out on the stream and to prove a point. And as you will look at the picture, it looks that those are tile floors, but they're indeed not tile floors. That's dirt. So this guy, instead of cleaning the entire room, he just made tiles on his own to prove that this, how dirty this uh, floor was. So that's crazy. All right, next one. And last one. This guy right here gets pulled over by the police, and he is being told that he has a DUI because he's been driving under the influence. So to prove a point that he was not under the influence of alcohol, he gets out and he starts juggling uh, bowling things uh, to prove the fact that he was not drunk. And as you can tell, yeah, he was not drunk. Yeah. My man. All right, so you can see the cop recording it because, I mean, imagine that. You're pulling this guy, and then this guy just comes out and starts doing it. Like, I'll be impressed. But these are some examples of how much we were willing to go on a point. I think about myself not too long ago. Jenny and I were driving, and uh, she, she wanted me to take a left, a left turn on a, on a property, and I kept telling her, like, I cannot, I'm not allowed to because there are two double yellow lines on the street. When you see two yellow lines on the street, you're not supposed to cross them over. That's why they're there. But she was saying to me, no, you can't, it's okay. So as I'm driving and pulling left, I Googled if just that, that question, can you pull? Can you turn on a, on a double yellow lane? And I did that just to prove a point. Now, it's not crazy to compare about those things, but the reality is that you and I are willing to do those things, and chances are we do that on a regular basis just to prove a point. We want people to understand where we're coming from and why we're saying what we're saying. We want them to recognize that, one, they're wrong, and we want them to recognize, too, that there's something that they need to do to change. Well, I bring all of this up because in the story of Hosea, God is going to prove this, or God is going to uh, make this major point 
to the nation of Israel, to the prophet Hosea. He wants them to understand where they are at. He wants them to realize what is that they're doing wrong, and he wants them to change their course. And like what we talked earlier, this book is going to be a lot of similar to how you and I live our lives. How the nation of Israel behave, how the nation of Israel deal with God, you will find that if you're honest and if I'm honest, there's so many similarities with it. And so because of that, we're going to be diving on, we're going to be uh, Addressing it. So the first thing we have to recognize though is this word redemption. We all have to understand what redemption means. So why redemption? This is a word that chances are you haven't used on your daily vocabulary for a while. You probably don't, don't use this at all. Uh, it's a word that is a fancy word. It's a word that carries a lot of meaning. It's a big word. So we try to stay away from it. But this is a word that is necessary for us to understand because one of the major themes of the book of Hosea is God's redeeming love. And if we do not understand what redeeming is, then we're going to miss the whole point of the book. So why redemption? According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, redemption is the act of serving to upset or to compensate for a defect. That is the worldly definition of, uh, of redemption. Now, if you look at redemption, think about your iPhone. So you bought this iPhone, you got the iPhone 10, whatever, and now it's getting messed up. Instead of throwing it out and, getting destroyed and, and, and having it get destroyed, you will go to Apple Store and you will give it to them so that they will restore it from, from you. They will, in a sense, something that is broken, something that is upset, they will compensate with it and they will make it to work again. They'll have to take some parts out. They'll have to change some things about it. But they will redeem it in such a way that it's now for, able for you to use it. That's kind of like the meaning that this idea of redemption has. It's to grab something that has lost its purpose. To grab something that has lost its value. To grab something that is not doing what it's supposed to do. And to fix it. And now redeem it by taking some things out and putting some new things in and redeem it in such a way that now this very item can do the thing that they were designed to do. That their, their value that they were intended to have, they're now able to have. And so when you look at the story of Hosea, we're going to see that. We're going to see a God that is going to redeem this nation, the nation of Israel, that has deliberately chosen to disobey God. Now, this is a lot of backstory just for us to get us on the same ground. But this is crucial for us to understand so that we can get something out of, the, of this book. We talk about in the, uh, in the series of idols how the, the nation of Israel, God had called to be this great nation. He made a promise to Abraham that out of his descendant, he was going to make this great nation. That, the, that their, their numbers were going to be like the stars of the, of the sky. And so he's going to call this great nation and he's going to take them through a journey that at times is going to be great, at times is going to be difficult and whatnot. And he's going to make, do those things so that they can become that thing which he promised, a great nation. One of the things that was, uh, that was recurrent about the nation of Israel, and I was reminded of this even yesterday as I was reading. Uh, in the book of Judges, you'll see that there was a time where God placed judges to kind of like oversee the nation of Israel. And we're told that the nation of Israel, every, if you look in the first few chapters of the book of Judges, you'll see that there's a recurrent theme that will say this. The God, the God, God raised the people of Israel and then it will say, but the people of Israel re rebel against God. 
And then you'll see in that chapter how God will use a judge and he will use the judge to restore the nation of Israel and to get them better. And then on the next chapter, once that generation of the parents have died, you see the next generation being told, now the, nation, the next generation chose to do what was evil before God. And this was the theme that made it, that, that, made, that characterized the nation of Israel. It was a nation that was so stiff-necked, a nation that was so stubborn that they would not comprehend the calling that they had for their life. And despite the fact that God over and over and over will choose to demonstrate and to portray them, how much he cared for them, how much he was for them, this nation will continue to do the same mistakes over and over. Now, we can get so critical about the nation of Israel, but the reality is that you and I do the same thing. Think about for a moment about your life. Think about the things that you know very well that you're not supposed to do. And yet, like a dog goes back to his vomit, so you go back to your own mistakes. That's a proverb. Proverbs says, Proverbs 26, 11 says, as a dog goes back to his vomit, so does a fully repeat his fully. And you find that even though you think you so know so much and you are so above, you find yourself doing the same thing. So that is the context of what's going on. And so one thing that I want us to understand as to why we have to deal with redemption is because redemption, only through the process of redemption can things return to the place that they were meant to be. Only through the process of redemption can things come back to the things that they were designed to be. So we're going to be in Hosea chapter 1, verse 2. We're going to start there. I'll start reading. The verse should be on the screen. It says this. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take your wife, take yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom. For the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. Just on the first verse. That's insane. God is going to call this prophet and he's going to say to him, hey, go and pick up yourself a wife that's going to be unfaithful to you. Go pick up a wife that out of that marriage there's going to become things that are unfaithfulness. Imagine if that was God was to tell you to them. I mean, we all have dreams of marrying this great person that will be all for us. What if from the get-go God was to say to you, hey, that wife that you're thinking that you're going to marry, that husband that you think is going to marry, it's going to be one that's going to be unfaithful for the entirety of it or for a good part of it. What will you do? Well, that's what God does here with Hosea. Verse 3. So he went and took Gomer, Gomer the daughter of Devlian, and she conceived and bore him a son. Verse 4. And the Lord said to him, to this son, call his name Jezreel. For in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. So at this time, the nation of Israel was divided in two nations or in two kingdoms. And God is going to use this children's, his name, to remind the nation of Israel of the judgment that was to come, of the destruction that was to come. Verse 6, or verse 5. And on that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. And then again in verse 6, she conceived again and bore a daughter. And the Lord said to him, call her name no mercy. I mean, God really wanted to prove a point to these people. First son, his name after destruction. Now this second one, he's, he's literally calling her not mercy. And it says here in verse, in verse uh, 6, for I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. Wow. 
Let that process in. Hey, go marry this woman that is going to be like a whore. Hey, guess what? You're going to have two kids. The first one, you're going to call them after destruction. The second one, you're going to call him no mercy. Because I want to prove this stiff-necked nation how I'm going to deal with them. A nation that over and over and over has chosen to rebel against me. Then number verse 7, uh, but I will have mercy on the half of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bows or by sword or by wars or by horses or by horsemen. When she has weaned no mercy, she conceived and bore a son. So not only did she have a, a boy, a girl, now we're back again with another boy. And the Lord said, call his name, not my people. Come on now. Not my people. I really want to prove a point. The next one you're going to have, not only I'm not going to show mercy, I want you to call him not my people. For you are not my people and I am not your God. Isn't that crazy? Verse 10. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where he was said to them, you are not my people, it shall be said to them, children of the living God. It's kind of like a little plot twist there. But so here's what I want us to see. You're going to see a contrast of what God is trying to make to prove a point to this nation. In verse 2 and 3, he's going to call him to marry this woman, Gomer. It was a woman that was on that at that moment she necessarily was not unfaithful to him. But the disclaimer that God gave him as he was marrying her is that this is going to be a woman that was going to be unfaithful to you. And as we read the story of Hosea, in the next chapter, chapter 2, we get a very, little, a very clear picture of how unfaithful this woman was. How she will go out and live her life of, of, of sin and fulfilling their desires and devotions. And that's really all that she did. And Hosea being a prophet, which is, means someone that is called for God by God to be a, spoke, a spokesman for God to his people. This man that has devoted his life to serve God, that literally has been called by God to serve him, is now being said, hey, go marry this woman that's going to be unfaithful. And Jesus, or not, not Jesus, God is doing this so that he can prove a point. Because what, throughout the book of Hosea, what we're going to see is that just like Gomer, so was the nation of Israel. A nation that will be unfaithful to God. A nation that over and over will do the things that were opposing to God. Over and over this nation will do the things that will be against God. For us today, the point that it will have for us is that just like Gomer, you and I are unfaithful to God. And for many of us, that happens more on the daily than we will want it to be. Even maybe some of you, even by now, by 1130, you have already been unfaithful to God. Whether that is because you have had some thoughts in your mind that you shouldn't be having. Maybe you have seen something that you shouldn't have seen. Maybe you are ignoring right now the very fact that God is speaking through his word and you're trying to be distracted by things. 
Maybe it's the fact that you are, know there are something that you need to do. Maybe there's the fact that you know that there's something that you need to say. Maybe there's something that you know that you, know that you need to give up and you're still choosing not to do those things. We are unfaithful to God. And although we don't like that, and this is a very gruesome and kind of like ugly picture, but really, I mean, it's in the Bible, so I'm going to say it. By action and our behavior, it's, it's if we were hoards ourselves in the way that we dealt with God. That is the picture that God is trying for the nation of Israel to understand. It is not a beautiful picture. It is not something that is encouraging. It's not something that is supposed to make you feel better or supposed to make me feel better. Yet, nonetheless, that's really how we act and behave before God. So that's what we see here. Number two, in Jezreel, by naming Jezreel, he wants them to understand how much he's going to deal with them with destruction. He's going to destruct this nation. His plan or his communication is like, because you have been so unfaithful to me, all that you deserve is complete annihilation. You could deserve destruction. And when we think about our life, when we think about what the mistakes that we make, and when we think about this idea of sin, we know from the Bible that sin is the very thing that we do that opposes God. And we know from the very Bible that the penalty of sin is death. It's pure destruction. He wants these people that is unfaithful, that ignores God, to understand that there is a penalty, there is a consequence that you have to deal with when you are unfaithful to God. And so he wants to make this point clear to them by naming one of the prophet's son, Jezreel. The next one, he's naming them no mercy. He wants them to understand that because they're choosing to oppose God, because they're choosing to be unfaithful to God, God has removed his mercy from him. And in a sense, there is some separation to God. Because there is a separation from God, that means that there is no mercies happening in the, in the process. And here's what's interesting, because when you think about the message of the gospel, you will, you will find out that God demonstrated his mercy for you and me. In that though we were unfaithful, that although we were separated from him, he provided a way so that we can be redeemed with him. And yet... When we choose not to accept that mercy, we are separated from him. This is a little like side note, but the worst thing about hell, it's not the fire. It's not going to be the, 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 um, what, the, the, the whatever you call those, the worms that are going to be eating your flesh and the suffering. The worst thing about hell is going to be the separation, the complete separation from God. And that's what you see here that God is trying to prove a point to them. Hey, you're going to be separated. There's going to be no mercy. And then the total punishment we'll see by his third son when he's going to call him not my people. This is the nation that many years ago, ago, God chose a man named Abraham and said to him, you are my people. You are the ones of whom I'm going to make this great nation. He gave this man and his descendants a purpose. He said they were to be set apart. They were to be the ambassadors of God throughout the world. They were to be the ones that would go out through all the nations sharing the greatness of God. And yet because of their unfaithfulness, they continued to rebel and do what was thrown before God. 
to the point that God is, 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 is trying to make them to understand that, hey, you are not my people. That is the epitome of punishment. Now you think of our life, you think about because all of us are sinners, because all of us make mistakes, we oppose God. By nature, we are against God. And because that is the reality of our life, we are not his people. Let that sink in. You and I, when we're born in this world, we are not God's people because of sin in our life. That is why when Jesus, when God sent his son Jesus to die on the, on the cross, and those who believe in the message that he died on the cross, that he was buried, and that he was resurrected, those that believe that message, he said that he has given them the right to call God Abba Father. That those who believe in the message of the gospel, that God has given them the right to call him Father. But if you have not believed in the message of the gospel, you are not his son or daughter. That is a right that is given to those who believe in the message of the gospel. That God sent his son to die on the cross for your sin, for my mistakes. And three days later, he rose from the dead by making the message truth. And by allowing us now to be redeemed. Which leads us to the very last one. In verse 10, and I'll read it. You get to see here that despite of all the things that the nation of Israel has done. Of all the things that the, Israel, the nation of Israel had done up to that point and will continue to do past this point. You see that God still wanted to provide a way for them to be redeemed. In verse 10 he says, despite of the fact that there were going to be destruction, that there was going to be separation, that there was going to be punishment. He's saying here, here's a love that redeems. Verse 10, yet the number of the children of Israel, despite of all this, shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in, my, in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people. In that very place where God told them, you are not longer my people. It shall be also said to them, children. Of the living God. I love the redeems. As we continue to develop this book. And we continue to address the things that, that is found in the book of Hosea. We're going to see a love the redeems. You're going to see how even though again the nation of Israel was stiff necked. That even though the nation of Israel will continue to oppose God. Will continue to do the very things that were against God, we'll get to see how God will redeem them. In the story of Hosea and his wife Gomer, we'll get to see how she will rebel against Hosea and she will go out and live a life of adulterousness. Well, she will go out and live a life completely in sin, which she will complete, which she will follow, or which she will follow her desires to commit the things that she was not supposed to do. And Hosea, Instead of walking away, instead of doing away from his wife, instead of like condemning her as it was a custom at the time to stone a woman that was adulterous, you'll see how his desire for this woman was to redeem her by loving her, by rescuing her, and by bringing her back to his fold. 
And the reason why I love this story so much is because it paints the picture of the gospel of Jesus for you and me today. That even though we are not necessarily the nation of Israel, we act just the same. And we talk about this, how we rebel against God. We are born in rebellion against God because of sin. And because of our sinful nature, we, there's destruction that needs to take place. Our sinful nature deserves destruction because we are choosing to oppose God. And that destruction is going to lead to the ultimate punishment. That punishment that if you do not believe in the message of the gospel, you're going to be completely separated from God for the rest of history. That you're condemned to eternal hell. That you're condemned to eternal suffering. That you're condemned to eternal damnation and separation from God. That is what's going on with the nation of, of Israel. But, and this is a big but, the nation of Israel will now be able to experience the redeeming love of God. And in the same way, you and I will be able to, are able to receive this redeeming love of God. For then you will see how God used Hosea to show them that. But for us, we got the clear picture of Jesus. And that he was willing to sacrifice himself for your sakes and my sake. So that by believing in him, anyone that believes in him can be a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, you are new. And in that newness, you and I can be redeemed. And you remember the, the definition of redemption? It is to take something that is not the way that it's supposed to be and turn it into what it is supposed to be. When we don't have Jesus in our life, we are living a life wrong, a life meaningless, a life without direction, a life lost. But with Jesus, we have been redeemed, and because of that, we can now have an opportunity to live the life that we were supposed to live. And so here's the question that I have to, for you as we continue this. This is a lot of introduction, but I want us to understand this because this book is crucial for us to see God's redeeming love. And I do hope that you take the time to study it on your own. It will take you no more than 10 minutes to just read a chapter. But by doing so, I will, be, I will be excited to see how you yourself will find God's redeeming love through this book. It is a beautiful book. In fact, there are so many movies that have been made out of this book. Movies that are not even by Christian director. Because they see how beautiful is the picture of a man that goes out of his way to restore a woman that deliberately chose to ignore him and rebel against him. And how that relationship demonstrates how you and I deal with God. And yet, despite our shortcoming, the fact that we put a phone on a hoodie when we're supposed to listen, God chose to redeem us. And so the question I have for you today, what is the point that God is making for you? What is the point that God is trying to make for you today? If maybe the point that God is trying to make for you today is that, man, listen, you are not my people. You are not my son. You are not my daughter. 
because you have not believed on this message of the gospel. And the point that he's trying to make for you today is to recognize that and to accept that message so that you can be given the right of calling him son or being called, call him father. Then if that's the point, my challenge or my encouragement for you will be make that decision today, right now, as we pray. Don't wait. Don't continue to live in a life in separation. Don't continue to live a life where you're opposing God, where you're being unfaithful to God. And live the life that you're supposed to live. For, the, for those of us that are Christians, maybe you have been unfaithful despite the fact that you have been redeemed. We have been redeemed, but that sinful nature still remains. And there may be days that you will choose to be unfaithful. And maybe the, remi- the challenge for us today, or maybe the point that God is trying to make for you today, is to recognize that and to stop doing those things. I'm excited about this series, and I pray that you will be too. We'll be back with it next week. I'm going to pray, and then you guys are going to be dismissed. We're a little bit early, so I'll ask that as you go out, try not to be distracting of the middle school and all the RBF room. But I'm so glad that you joined us today. And, and again, if you have questions about anything that we talk about, if you want to talk to anybody, if there are leaders that are in the room, we're here for you. Um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the story of Hosea and how you call this prophet to be a light and be an example to this wrecked nation, a nation that rebel against you constantly, Lord. And instead of you just giving up on this nation, you call this prophet to demonstrate to them, Lord, how you are going to redeem them. And Father, I pray that today those of us here that doesn't know you, that don't know you as your personal Savior, Lord, that we will be willing to accept that gift that you have given us through your son Jesus. That we will believe that gift by doing so, Lord, that we will be willing to be redeemed by you. For those of us too, Lord, that have made the decision, I pray, Father, that you would encourage us today and every day to continue to be faithful to you. Do not allow anything in our life to become a, a distraction, to become something that can lead us into being unfaithful to you, Lord. But that we will value the sacrifice of your son. And because of that value that we have, Lord, that we will choose to be faithful to you. Lord, we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for coming, guys. Good morning and city.